you know something I really miss about Ireland, Jackie? Oh, what? The tato? Those wonderful oh. potatoes, yeah. <laughs> tato crisps. Yeah. <laughs> Barry's tea, Cadbury's chocolate. No, what I really miss is the wonderful pictures and the wonderful stories you hear of, oh, I just got this letter in the post today and it's like John Murphy <sighs> next to the shop. Ballybunion, and mm-hmm. it arrived, and people are like, "How did the postman know?" Yeah, and of course, I don't think he'll get here, that in the US. Would you? If somebody no. sent you a postcard, Brian O'Donovan or T News Washington, that's not that's no. not going to get to you. It's all about the zip code here, and Americans, when I'm filling in my address, my home address for things, will say, "And what's the zip code in Ireland?" And then you sort of have to explain to them, "Well, we have a thing called the air code that nobody really uses," and they say, mm-hmm. "Then how does the postman find your house?" And I say the postman just knows. They just so know. I think that's the difference. Yeah, unless somebody wants to try and send Brian a little postcard, see if it gets there a little bit experiment. Let's make it a test. Let's make it. It'll be a test of my fame <laughs> in Washington DC if it will arrive unchecked. But I can tell you, Jackie, the postal system here in the US, all those zip codes, all the efficiencies, all the problems mm-hmm. will be put to the test over the coming weeks with more and more people voting by post. From RTE News, this is States of Mind. I am your president of law and order. You won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. All groups should practice self-monitoring and remain peaceful. This administration has shown it will tear our democracy down. May history be able to say that the end of this chapter of American darkness began here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, the best is yet to come. Your U.S. election 2020 podcast. With Brian O'Donovan in Washington. And Jackie Fox in Dublin. Today. Universal mail-in voting is going to be catastrophic. It's going to make our country a laughing stock all over the world. Today, postal workers and California Congress members said enough is enough. This is an unprecedented attack on the postal service. Just having, you know, mailed things back and forth between home and Ireland, it usually takes about two weeks for things to arrive. It's kind of what stresses me out is that um, my ballot wouldn't make it back on time. As 2020 has given the world no choice but to study virus patterns and behaviours, we now know that COVID-19 loves to spread in large crowds. So with predictions that around 156 million people could vote in this election in the middle of a pandemic, multiple states have changed their election rules to make it easier for people to vote, mainly by mail. Yeah, so all the different states are looking at different ways of making sure that there won't be these big lines at polling stations. There won't be people packed into polling booths. There's also another issue here, and it's not just the crowds. You see a shortage of staff to man these polling stations, and many of them have had to close. Yeah, I think of it this way. According to the U.S. Election Assistance Commission's voting survey for the 2016 presidential election, over 900,000 poll workers ran voting sites across the country. More than half of them were over 61 years. Yeah, and as we know, the coronavirus is far more serious for the older people. So what we saw in a recent election, for example, in Bexar County in Texas, several stations had to shut down because of a lack of workers. So they're looking for other ways to allow people to vote. The obvious answer is that voters can mail in their ballot rather than head to those busy polling stations. If we look at the 2016 presidential election again, nearly one quarter of votes were cast by post. 
this year, it's expected that we are going to see way more mail-in ballots than ever due to the pandemic. In 2020, we have been hearing a lot about universal mail-in voting and absentee ballots. And it can be quite confusing, primarily because each state governs its own election rules. Each state has its unique government, laws and political environment too. It's not just one size fits all. Before we go into the issues, we need to distinguish, though, between mail-in ballots and absentee ballots. Yeah, and there is a bit of a difference here. So first, the universal mail-in ballot is where elections are conducted by mail. Five states have this already, Colorado, Hawaii, Oregon, Washington and Utah. And it effectively means that the state will automatically send all the registered voters, postal ballots, and then they will have to be sent back or dropped off on election day. There will be some in-person traditional voting still available, but in limited circumstances. Yeah, and just to say, Oregon is the classic example of universal mail-in voting. And we'll actually speak to somebody later on the podcast from there about her experiences and where 2020 leaves her. And this year, because of the pandemic, more states have been added to that list. California has changed their rules and state officials are mailing ballots to every eligible voter. Some polling places will stay open if you want to vote in person. But every registered voter, all 21 million of them in California, will send a mail ballot. It it seems simple enough. All registered voters get a ballot through the letterbox and then send it back via post or a drop box. Then you have absentee ballots, Brian. What is the difference? Yeah, so with mail-in ballots, every registered voter automatically gets posted their ballot. But with an absentee ballot, you have to request to vote by mail. Sometimes you need an excuse. I'm not around that week. I'm on holidays. Somebody is sick. I'm not going to be able to vote. Other times, you won't. Most of the time, voters do not need to provide any excuse why they aren't voting in person, at least in 2020, because of the pandemic. So it's like what New York has done. Governor Andrew Cuomo approved making all voters eligible for absentee ballots if they cite COVID-19 as a reason that they can't vote in person. Yeah, now New York is one thing, not particularly electorally important, I suppose you could say, because it always goes to the Democrats. But absentee ballots without an excuse are also available in Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan and Wisconsin. These are all key swing states that we talked about last week. And this year, less than a dozen states will automatically send every registered voter an application to request an absentee ballot. Basically, absentee ballots are like mail-in ballots, but it's an extra step in the process showing you want to register to vote by mail. Yeah, and as we mentioned earlier, do I need to give an excuse? Do I not? It kind of depends where you are. Texas, Indiana, South Carolina, Louisiana and Mississippi require certain excuses for voters to receive these ballots. Some excuses could be, oh, I have to work, I'm ill, I'm away from the state or being over 65. And it depends on the state. They all have different rules. Some states, stricter than others. So a recap. Some states will automatically mail ballots to every registered voter, while other states will only mail ballots to voters who request them. But there's a big schmazzle with mail-in ballots and absentee ballots. Some analysts say there isn't really a difference between the two styles of voting. They are both ballots which are posted or put into ballot drop boxes and collected. But... Then you have Donald Trump, the president of the United States, coming out and saying there is a difference between the two systems. And he's been hammering home this point over the last couple of months. President Trump has chosen another opponent, 
mail-in ballots. Universal mail-in voting is going to be catastrophic. It's going to make our country a laughingstock all over the world. Absolutely. Every day here in the US, Donald Trump will criticize universal mail-in voting, postal ballots, saying it's subject to fraud. It will be catastrophic. It will make America the laughingstock of the world. He claims that it opens it up to fraud. It opens it up to inaccuracies. He's saying people could vote more than once. He said that people could get a mail-in ballot in the post and then go to the polling station and vote. He even suggested to supporters in North Carolina that they should post their mail-in ballot, then physically go to the polling station on election day and vote again, something which would actually be illegal. You have solicited and unsolicited. Now, sometimes you'll ask for a ballot. That's a solicited ballot. It's okay. You have to go through a process. You have to sign a form. You get it. Sending out millions of unsolicited ballots. Make sure you send the ballot in and then go to your polling place and make sure it counts. Make sure it counts. Because the only way they can win is by doing very bad things. So the White House had to come out and clarify, saying he's not encouraging people to vote twice. What he's actually saying is that people should double check that the first time round, when they sent it in by post, that it was actually counted. And if it wasn't, they should vote again. Yeah, Donald Trump and other Republicans, because we had Sean Spicer on the podcast recently talking about this. They're trying to separate mail-in voting and absentee ballots. So this fake problem that continues to exist, I'm hugely supportive of absentee ballots because there are measures put in place to ensure that the voter is the voter who they say they are. There's nothing wrong with that. So why won't the Democrats in the media just start saying, absentee ballots. As with absentee ballots, you have to freshly apply for a ballot to mail in rather than being automatically sent one if you are a voter. They see this extra step in absentee ballots as more secure. When you take universal mail-in ballots sent to every registered voter, they don't have that step. Take California, for example, because we were talking about it earlier. 21 million ballots being mailed out What's to prevent a few hundred thousand from drifting into unintended hands and being misused? What happens when a voter no longer lives at that that address? Can't anyone grab an unmarked ballot off a kitchen table, fill in the boxes and mail it in? So with all of these questions and allegations, let's look at the facts. Yeah, so this evening, today on this podcast, we've been very much looking at the difference between the absentee ballot and the universal mail-in voting. And that is very much the states that use universal mail-in voting. Registered voters don't have to ask to have the ballot sent out to them. It just happens automatically. And regardless of the system, a person must be registered to vote to receive that ballot. Now, for any mailed-in vote to be counted, the voter's information must be verified by state election officials. Remember, though, states have their own rules. It varies across the board. It differs from states to state. Ballots are not counted if they're not printed on the proper type of paper or they don't include specific technical markings. In Oregon, for example, the absentee envelope and ballot have a special barcode unique to each voter, which identifies them. In other states, voters must include personal identifying information like their address, their birth date, their driving license number, those kind of things, the last Mm. four digits of their social security number. Alabama then, different rules. That requires a copy of the voter's ID to be included and either two witnesses older than 18 must sign the envelope in addition to the voter. In Maine, different rules again. A signature by the voter on the envelope is compared to the signature on the absentee ballot. Yeah, so every state has its own verification process. And there isn't any major evidence either of widespread voting fraud. 
No, and as we mentioned earlier, Donald Trump goes out about this constantly, that it will be susceptible to fraud and that the system is broken and there's major problems of it. There have been some anecdotal reports of ballots being lost in the mail or sent to dead relatives, sent to the wrong address. But those reports are pretty few and far between and not evidence of any actual fraud occurring. There have been isolated cases of postal ballot fraud in the 2018 North Carolina primary. That had to be rerun after a consultant for the Republican candidate tampered with voting papers. A consultant for Mark Harris's campaign was accused of illegally posting absentee ballots during November's midterm election campaign. There was also a case earlier this year in New Jersey, which saw two Democratic councillors charged with alleged fraud in relation to postal voting after hundreds of ballots were found stuffed in a post box. However, overall, the rate of voting fraud in the U.S. is, <laughs> bear with me, okay. 0.00004%, which is absolutely tiny. And that was according to a study carried out in 2017. We're joined now on the line by Rob Ritchie, CEO of Fair Vote, a non-profit, non-partisan group that looks at electoral reform and it knows all about voting. So, Rob, you're the perfect man for the task today. We're looking, Rob, at the difference between mail-in ballots, absentee ballots. We don't really have that kind of structure or setup in Ireland. So maybe just explain to the listeners first off, is there much of a difference between a mail-in ballot and an absentee ballot? Um, we have a lot of states, a lot of counties, even cities that run elections on their own. It's more than 10,000 um, governmental jurisdictions are actually making independent decisions about um, how we vote for president. Um, and we have a long history of uh, places using um, mail-in ballots and absentee ballots differently uh, based on local considerations. Some states, everyone votes by mail. Um, and then in some states, very few. In this time of COVID-19, uh, almost every state is seeing a big uptick, though, in the number of people um, voting by mail. And then the last thing I'll say about voting by mail is it is a term that can be a bit misleading because it's really that you're receiving your ballot by mail um, and how you end up casting it can be up to you. And a whole lot of people in jurisdictions that have, you know, quote, vote by mail are in fact dropping their ballot off either at a drop box or at a local election office. And almost every day here in the U.S., we hear Donald Trump saying it's subject to fraud. There'll be dead people voting. There'll be someone in their living room filling in a thousand ballot papers. Is there any evidence that mail-in ballots, absentee ballots are more subject to fraud than traditional voting? There is evidence that there's a very incremental difference. Um, and you can imagine the fact that, you know, the ballot is out of the hands of the government and in the hands of a private citizen um, in their home and conceivably their workplace and, um, you know, maybe not being mailed to the right address and it however is exceptionally hard to engage in 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 anything that's involving systematic fraud that affects a whole lot of ballots um you know there can be that more uh individual fraud of of someone voting for a neighbor um you know at, at their request usually or you know something like that but it's we're we're we're, we're talking very minor uh differences is this a partisan issue then, Rob, you know, Republicans don't like mail in voting, Democrats do. Is this just a political issue at the end of the day? It's hard to know in some ways what the 
core basis of it is and whether it's just uh you know donald trump's personal views about it that are sort of affecting his party's views i mean it um it actually historically has not been a particularly partisan issue um you have relatively comparable numbers of people uh, from across the spectrum you know using vote by mail certainly in states that have gone toward it it's often passed with relatively bipartisan support and and um, you know the state of Utah uh, has has gone to vote by mail, one of the most Republican states in the country, um, and um, and that use of absentee ballots ha has often been done uh, as a tactic by um, you know candidates on the Republican side. There is some concern that it's an overall um, goal of trying to, in a sense, destabilize people's perception of the fairness of this year's election, um, and um, I think. People want this election to have a decisive outcome. Uh, it, it's an election that a lot of people care very deeply about. And I think that um, creating uncertainty and doubt might make it harder to have an outcome that feels decisive. Um, and, and there's some concern that this, in a sense, is actually trying to stir that pot. Is it too messy having different rules for voting in each state? Would it be easier to have one size fits all, especially when it's something so serious as voting i think there's a it's it's interesting i think i think americans are very much on two minds of that as as i guess we all can be on things like hey i want lower taxes and i want more government spending you know that kind of conflict but you know there, there's the sense that um it would be great to have a a structured ballot that that really dealt with equity like 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 i think there's a lot of discomfort when we have a close election and then we realize that some people made more errors in their county than people in another because the ballot looked different or was treated differently. Um, and I think that that belief in equity is, is a strong, very, is a very strong sort of American sentiment. At the same time, there's a, a belief in state rights and, you know, local control. And again, there's a lot of things on the ballot that are different in, in different states um, based on, you know, local offices and, and different state, state elections. So you certainly can't have a uniform ballot for everything. You could have like a uniform federal ballot, but even there, you know, some states have U.S. Senate elections and some don't, and so on. So, so, so we do get into kind of a bigger conversation about the way the United States historically has developed its election system, which is 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 very decentralized. Um, even suffrage rights themselves have been different based on different states, um, sort of over time and even today. And so. So there is a there is a conversation that we're still having in this country about that finding that balance between equity and local control. Rob Ritchie, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Brian. With all of these mail-in ballots, there has been extra pressure on the United States Postal Services, aka USPS. There's probably going to be a lot of voting by mail, as we've been talking about. Can the post offices across the US handle the load they will be entrusted with? That has been the question with some unexpected answers this summer. Yeah, and now we're going to talk about a very interesting individual in the Trump administration. Usually we talk about secretaries of the Treasury, secretary of state. I was going to say they're all senior interesting. Advisors. This is the postmaster general who would normally never make news in any president's administration. But this guy is. His name is Louis DeJoy. He's a very wealthy businessman. He was a big fundraiser and ally of President Trump. And he was appointed to be the postmaster general 
And he, when he took over the office, made some big changes. He started doing cutbacks. He started cutting overtime and removing sorting machines and scaling everything down due to big financial problems at the post office. But postal workers started sounding alarms about these changes and it led to what could be a lot of disruption and a lot of upset and a lot of slowing down of postal services just when things needed to be Mm. tip-top in the postal service to prepare for this huge election that was going to see a record number of postal votes. Yeah, because what we had was workers on the ground, these postmen and women, saying these changes were causing massive delivery delays. Today, postal workers and California Congress members said enough is enough. This is an unprecedented attack on the postal service. So with millions of Americans expected to vote by mail this November due to the coronavirus, Politicians got involved as they grew concerned that this could impact the election since there is such a demand for mail-in voting. State officials and states said they were concerned in particular after letters from postal authorities warned them that ballots in more than 40 states may not be delivered in time for the election. And the likes of CNN did some digging on this and reported that there was also a plan to remove nearly 700 high volume mail sorters from postal facilities across the country. Yeah, and this was a huge news story here for several weeks. The crisis deepened when images and videos started to appear of blue mailboxes being carried away on trucks. The Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy, defended all of this. He said, we have to make these cutbacks because of the dire financial situation at the post office. But remember the optics here. It was happening at a time when Donald Trump was repeatedly criticising mail-in voting and posting. Then we have this Postmaster General, who's an ally and Trump donor, who got appointed to this position. The Democrats started saying, look, you are putting pressure on this guy to to cut the postal service to make it more difficult for people to vote and the Democrats ended up calling him before Congress they started holding hearings mm. and they started making an awful lot of noise about what they saw as deliberate attempts by the Trump administration to scupper mail-in voting ahead of the election. There will be no post office closures or suspensions before November 3rd. I confirm post office closures was not a directive I gave that, that's, that I gave that was around before I got here. There's a process to that. Uh, when I found out about it uh, and it, it had the uh, reaction uh, that, that we did, uh, I, I've, I've suspended that until after the election. Well, uh, well, we've heard about the sorters. You addressed that earlier. Will you be bringing back any mail sorting machines that have been removed uh, since you've become Postmaster General? Will any of those come back? There's no intention to do that. They're not needed, sir. So you will not bring back any processors? They're not needed, sir. So the Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy, coming under huge pressure from the media, huge pressure from the Democrats, being hauled before Congress. And in the end, he said, fine, I will pause all of the cutbacks. I'll pause all of the scaling down of the Postal Service until after the election in a bit to avoid any impression of something bad going on. All of this, the problems with the post office or Donald Trump's efforts to undermine postal voting has really had an impact on some Americans' faith in the process. Someone who can help us understand this a little bit more is Maddie Schwartz, American film editor living in Dublin. So Maddie, Oregon is the classic example of universal mail-in voting since mail-in voting is really all the state does. Tell me about what you usually do when we're not in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in the past, I mean, like you said, Oregon is entirely mail, mail-in voting, except I actually have never done it in the traditional sense. Um, whenever I have voted in the past, it's I've filled out the form at home and then we actually drop it off at a des- designated uh, drop-off box in town. 
Um, so I've never actually sent it through with USPS before. Um, but in that sense, uh, Oregon's been doing that for, I think, about 20 years now. They switched over from the traditional polling sites. Um, and for the first five years of that, they were only doing local elections uh, through mail-in. And then once they kind of got all the issues figured out, they um, allowed presidential elections and federal elections um, to be mail-in as well. Yeah. How does it work well? You were talking about different issues there. You kind of alluded to it. Did many issues crop up over the years or is it kind of to be honest, um, at least like in my lifetime, I've never heard of any major issues with the mail in voting system. Um, There are even in Oregon people who oppose it. uh, But in my experience, it's all worked really smoothly. I think it was smart that they used those five years to kind of figure out, you know, what's the best way to do this process? What's the best way to make sure that people are being um you know, safe and also that uh, nobody's being counted twice or anything like that. They kind of got all of that worked out within those five years, but I couldn't tell you exactly what those issues were at the beginning. Um, In my experience, the only time that I have uh, noticed anything with it was one time my dad voted and it actually got returned because they didn't think his signature was correct. Uh, But other than that, everything's always worked very, very smoothly. Um, and yeah, that for me, that's the only way I've ever voted. I'm, I've never been to a polling station before. So you mentioned you used to use the designated drop-off box. You can't do that this year now because you're in Ireland. Your vote is in Oregon. Are you worried about putting it in the traditional <laughs> post in the mail? Are you worried it'll get counted? Are you worried it'll get there on time? Or maybe you'll get it back saying, sorry, your signature didn't match. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, at first, I mean, with everything going on with USPS, I was Definitely really concerned about that. Um, I am using a website uh, that is called Overseas Vote Foundation, and it basically walks people who are expats living out of the country um, through the voting process. So luckily, they make it really straightforward. Um, That said, I requested my ballot back in August, and I just got the card that says that they've updated my address and that this is where my um, ballot will be sent. They said it should arrive here between 14 and 20 days prior to the election, which is a little bit stressful because just having, you know, mailed things back and forth between home and Ireland, it usually takes about two weeks for things to arrive. So if I'm only getting it 14 days before the election, that is kind of what stresses me out is that um, my ballot wouldn't make it back on time. That is very tight. I, I, that's my own experience as well. It can take two weeks, sometimes three weeks. For, I find it sporadic, isn't it? Some things get very fast, some things don't. So when you hear Donald Trump every day going on about how it'll be problematic, it won't get counted properly, there's going to be fraud, there's going to be problems, do you agree with him that the whole postal system might be a bit problematic this time around? I mean, so in my experience, I don't think so from Oregon. Uh, seeing, I've never heard massive debates about there being all sorts of voter fraud going on. And I think... Oregon is a very divided state politically, and I think that we would hear a lot more about that if there was any chance of there being voter fraud going on. Voter fraud going on, I think that wouldn't be something that would be overlooked uh, in Oregon. So I have a hard time believing that there would be massive issues with that on a national scale for the federal election. I, it's hard to tell, you know, when you're just trying to. You only know what you can see in the news, and you're. You're trying to follow along with what is truly happening back home and all of that. It's a little bit, you know, confusing of what should actually be a concern of ours is the USPS. You know, are there mailboxes being torn out of their location, things like that? I mean, it's really hard to tell exactly what's going on and what is going to be an issue with this um, election. And, you know, even just on a personal basis, feeling like I'm only getting this ballot so, so close before the election date that you can only I personally, I feel like you can only kind of focus on what your individual problem is 
otherwise, after that, it's just too hard to tell exactly what's happening. Because another worry for you, Maddie, as well, there's a lot happening in your hometown in Oregon at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So it's on fire. Um, my hometown is unfortunately I one of the most affected areas in Oregon during all these wildfires going on. So the most recent report said there were um, over 2000 homes were lost um, and that number is expected to rise as they continue evaluating the damage of everything. Um, so that's a lot of people who now no longer have an address uh, to receive mail, to send mail from, all of that. Uh, luckily, the county elections office is where um, people without homes are able to pick up their ballots. So in the past, um, your traditional, uh, the homeless population is able to actually still vote uh, by going to the county elections office. But I think it's going to be a huge task to make sure everybody knows that because I wasn't even familiar with that um, before this election. And so I think, yeah, spreading that news to the thousands of people who are now homeless that they can still vote, which is probably one of the least of their concerns, considering they just lost everything. Mm. Um, that's going to be quite the task, I think. Could any other courier services help you? Uh, but I suppose that probably will cost a bit of money if you want to kind of send your um, ballot back through them. Yeah, so that's actually my plan is I'm going to I'm going to call my local elections office just to check on that 14 day um, arrival of my ballot and just see if for people overseas, if that can actually be sent earlier. And if they say, no, I'm 100 percent going to use a private uh, courier service just because, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to <laughs> have it be left up to fate whether or not my vote counts. And if that means spending more money on it, that's an unfair thing to have to do. But I, I'm not taking chances with that. We mentioned the wildfires making the news. Oregon also made the news all summer because of those big protests we saw in Portland. And you mentioned Oregon's a very interesting state. It leans Democrat, but it is quite divided. There's still quite strong Republican support in that state. Do you think Donald Trump focusing on this law and order message and the looters and the rioters and the violence and the unrest that we've seen in Portland, might that help him in Oregon, do you think? Might that help boost his support and help him on Election Day? You know, personally, I feel like most people have made up their minds. There's so the people who are already Trump supporters are going to continue supporting Trump, whether or not these protests are happening. They are probably going to feel stronger in their beliefs with what's going on than they would have before. And then I believe that people who were Biden supporters before, you know, are going to be just as opposed to Trump's statements on all of that as they would before. I, I don't feel like there are a lot of people who are being swayed by what's going on, I suppose. Uh, just knowing my friends and family back home who tend to be fairly divided on these issues, I don't see anybody kind of crossing over at this point. Everybody's fairly steadfast in who they feel like they're voting for. And I don't, at least in within the communities that I'm in, most people haven't changed on that. And how are those friends and family um, with the wildfires going on, Maddie, at the moment? Yeah, uh, luckily, my my family, every everyone in my family who lives um, in the same town, they all were spared. So all of our homes are still there. It was mostly the town just south of us, a couple miles south, um, two towns, actually, that were entirely destroyed. I think those school districts, it's like 15, 80 or something, 15, 80 percent of those school districts now have ho- like their students are homeless. So that's a little bit terrifying. So I yeah, I know a good number of people who have relatives who have lost their homes, but thankfully uh, nobody in my immediate group did lose their homes. Uh, I think, I don't know how large um, our community is. I would assume that our valley has about up to 200,000 people. I could be totally wrong on that, but um, just looking at, you know, over 2,000 homes being lost, that's a hefty proportion of the population that's now homeless. 
Um, it's going to make a huge difference when I go home later this year. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be really, really evident what's been going on. But I've seen I've seen a lot of support from, you know, everybody. It's, it's actually been really inspiring to see people who are so divided politically so recently just kind of coming together to do what needs to be done in order to support the community. And Maddie, we might check in with you. Um, to see, did your ballot make it in time? Did it Write count? that signature clearly, um, Maddie. Write the signature clearly and make know, sure it gets God. in on time. And the, and the best of luck to you. Answer. I hope it gets through on time. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Where on earth does this leave us now? Because I think we need to put a health warning with this election, Brian, out there right now. It's a tried and true tradition for Americans and many US election watchers around the world to stay up all night watching election coverage um, at the beginning of November. But this year it's going to be different. There's probably not going to be the 4, 5 a.m. prediction by the networks about who is going to be in the Oval Office next year. This year, the election night could mark the beginning, not the end. Absolutely. There may be no results known on election night and it could be weeks before we know a final result. And that is because of the postal voting, the mail-in ballots. They just take longer to count. If you look at a primary election that happened in New York in June, it took weeks to determine the final winner because officials were bombarded with 10 times the normal number of mail-in ballots Six weeks on from voting day, two closely watched congressional races remain undecided. So what you probably have on election day, and most election observers say, you could have a scenario on election night where Donald Trump, it looks like he has won. But that is because his supporters and Republicans might be more likely to go to the polling booth in the traditional in-person voting way, cast their ballots in the traditional way, and those ballots get counted quicker. They're calling this the red mirage, that we might have this mirage, this fake sense that Donald Trump has won on election night. But then, of course, it will take weeks and weeks, potentially, to count all the postal voting. Joe Biden is expected to fare better in the postal voting. So you could have a scenario whereby in the weeks that follow, they're calling it the blue shift. So we have the red mirage, which could be the win on election night for Republican Donald Trump. But then we could have the blue shift, where in the weeks that follows, Joe Biden actually wins because of the postal ballot. Election observers making an interesting point as well, Jackie. If Joe Biden wins on election night, based on those traditional in-person voting, Mm -hmm. Donald Trump is in big, big trouble then. Because in theory, if Republicans stick with their tradition of going in-person, and remember, they've been told by Donald Trump for the last six months, don't vote by mail, go in-person. He should do well on election night, but then we could see a shift, a blue shift, in the weeks that follow. A big event is on the way, Brian. Debate season is edging closer and closer. And we're going to be looking at that in our next podcast and having a little bit of fun with it too. Absolutely. So at the end of this month, we're going to have the first presidential debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, the first of three. We're going to be taking a look at debates. How important are they? Do they shift in the polls? Gaffes of the past, key moments of the past, and how big and how important debates are in this election cycle. Looking forward to it. Chat to you then. Chat to you then, Jackie. And if anybody wants to reach me, they can write to me at Brian O'Donovan, round the corner from the White House, Washington, D.C., America. And we'll see how we get on. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll receive some posts. You never know. You never, never know.